Allies and American security officials were caught off guard earlier this month when a large collection of classified American intelligence files were leaked online by a 21-year-old member of the Air National Guard. This comes at a pivotal moment in the Russo-Ukrainian War and brings us to the question of how consequential this leak is and what may happen next. From Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I'm your host, Drew Starbuck. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the domestic situation today, our analyst today is Emmett Bacalis. Hey, Emmett. Hey, Drew. Thanks for having me back on the pod. Thank you for coming back on the show, Emmett. And focusing on the international aspect today is Eric Bunce. Hi, Eric. Hey, Drew. It's good to be back on. Thank you. All right, guys. I want to get into just some background information first of just how big this intelligence leak is. So I just want to start off with the basic question of what did these classified leaks contain that were leaked on the internet? I'll come to you first, Emmett, for that. So there were essentially two major topics that were covered by these documents. The first one is the Russian-Ukrainian war and certain aspects of it that haven't been publicly available. Information including the weaknesses in Ukrainian weaponry, air defense, battalion sizes, and readiness as perceived by the United States, and other Ukrainian plans including missile strikes and targets within Russian territory, as in over the Russian border, that previously were secret and now obviously have been made public to the Russians. So the Ukrainians have actually had to cancel many of their plans in order to, you know, to to not be foiled by the Russians, you could say. And then the other thing that these leaks cover are information relating to American spying efforts, both in both on the Russians and on our allies, such as Israel and South Korea, who have the United States has been pressuring behind the scenes to supply lethal aid to Ukraine and has been secretly recording conversations between uh, various officials in these countries. Now, this doesn't really come as a, as a surprise. I think many people suspected that the United States was conducting these kind of activities. But to have be so brazen on such close allies of ours is pretty shocking. These leaks also show that the U.S. has informers and sources inside the Russia's defense ministry and the mercenary Wagner group and has been gathering information on Russian troop movements and precise targeting plans from intercepted communications and from these sources. And it also uh, revealed that the Wagner Group is planning on expanding its operations into Haiti and Africa. Previously, it had only been gathered to fight the war in Ukraine. But this is just a sign of Russia's aspirations to advance its, its agenda around the globe. Do you have anything to add on to that, Eric? Yeah, I'll just go back to the very beginning here. So these are about 50, around 50, uh, highly classified Pentagon documents. They were originally created, it looks like, for the J-2, which is the Joint Chiefs of Staff's Intelligence Arm, meaning these were these were slides, these were briefing documents that were being used to brief the highest levels of the U.S. military. And they contained a lot of the things Emmett already talked about, but just to go off of that, they very broadly speaking, they, they contain details about how the U.S. has been spying, not only on Russia, and it has revealed the breadth and the power of the U.S. intelligence in spying in Russia, but also on some of our allies, such as South Korea, Egypt, Israel, uh, the U.N. Secretary General. It also reveals weaknesses in Ukraine and weaknesses in Russia. And so these are just kind of a, a it's a wide range of documents, mostly focused, of course, on the Russian-Ukrainian war, because that's what U.S. intelligence is geared towards right now. But they are highly classified documents, so it's, it's concerning that they got out. I do want to ask the question of, I know, Emmett, you mentioned, and both you and Eric, the breadth of these intelligence files and how deeply they went into certain information, but where exactly was this information leaked? It was online, but was it distributed across multiple platforms? Was it just released on one platform and spread from there? 
So the original leaker, Jack Teixeira, he posted it on a Discord server, a meme Discord server called Thug Shaker Central. And from there, various other people in the Discord server took it and posted it online, first on 4chan, on forums dedicated to following the war, and then from there it spread to Telegram and Twitter, which is where it was discovered by the, the public at large, by the media and by the government. But it's, it's worth noting that this was not a concerted effort to spread it to as many people as possible. It was only originally intended to be seen by a select few friends of the leaker. I, can, I guess that gets into my next question, Emmett, of who is Jack share? We know that from the basics in the intro that he is a 21-year-old member of the Air National Guard, but uh, for someone so young and who seemed willing to share highly classified information just to, in a seeming effort to show off to his friends, how did he get a hold of this information, and what was the reaction of the U.S. government? So Teixeira, in the National Guard, he served in an intelligence unit in which he helped to maintain the secure network of computers uh, that the entire armed forces used to share information. And this position afforded him access to top-secret marked classified material from the military and 17 U.S. intelligence agencies. So really, this guy, he could log into the, um, the, world, the Joint Worldwide Intelligence Communication System. And even though he's a very low-level worker, just the nature of his work, this very tech-support-oriented job, allowed him to just log in and access basically whatever document he wanted. In terms of the U.S. government reaction, well, the initial reaction is investigations were launched by the Department of Defense, the State Department, the Department of Justice, the White House, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, so several different investigations all at the same time to try and discover the source of the leaks. But because so many low-level government employees had access to these same documents, the source was very hard to track down. And he was in the end found by the FBI using clues including matching the uh, pictures of his kitchen uh, that were seen in the, in the photos of the documents with photos that were posted on social media. So it was not an easy thing to track down at all. He had to go on some very deep clues yeah and to kind of go off that it's could be shocking to a lot of general members of the public that a 21 year old which is the same age that i am had access to so much classified information as i mentioned he he logged on to this joint worldwide intelligence communication system which is essentially it's it's a highly classified version of google it's a search engine but for classified documents and he had access to this because he needed to have access to it for his job a lot of people do just for being able to run the workings of the, the intelligence apparatus. There need to be a lot of sometimes lower level people that are combing through these documents and being able to put pieces together. And even though he was just an IT role, so was Edward Snowden, was just in an IT role. So this stuff happens and it's actually, it's interesting to me to draw connections to other leakers, recent leakers, such as Chelsea Manning and Reality Winner. In both cases, they were able to get access to these documents and spread them. The difference, in both cases, they're relatively young. The difference for me is that Jack Teixeira, he does not appear to have political motivations behind spreading these documents. And that's what's interesting about it is like when you go through the Discord logs, it really seems like he was just trying to get attention in a way. He was in a Discord group chat that focused on war, guns, gaming, like games like Arma 3, kind of realistic games. And I think he was trying to, or well, commentators have speculated that he was trying to share these documents in order to, to draw attention to his views on the war, to give himself legitimacy and credibility 
And eventually some people started to pick up on this and that these were actual real documents. So it doesn't appear that he had he was politically motivated. It's not like he's making a statement against the U.S. involvement in Ukraine. That doesn't appear to be the case at all. Quite the opposite. But he still had access to these documents and he was still able to take them out of work and spread them on the Internet. And I would also like to add that the reaction, the domestic reaction to this leak has been less inflammatory and less controversial. Funnily enough, seems to usually move in the other direction. But this has been very non-controversial just because there's no group to point fingers at. He doesn't appear to be a part of any political agenda or he doesn't seem to to have released them for any any devious reason except just to impress his friends. And this doesn't mean that he hasn't has seen any support. For instance, Marjorie Taylor Greene, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, tweeted that Teixeira is a white male anti-war Christian, which makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. So certain actors in the government have used this as an opportunity to to score a slam dunk on on certain other actors in the government. But generally, this is a pretty bipartisan issue that he should not have leaked these documents, because unlike unlike other leaks, these don't really reveal any wrongdoings against the citizens of the United States by the government, unlike the Snowden leak. These, obviously, to our allies has been fairly embarrassing, which I'm sure Eric will cover. But there's nothing really inflammatory in here that would show that the United States is is committing grievous injustices or unconstitutional acts against its citizens. And I want to get into that point, David, of you say the difference between this leak and leaks in the past is a lot of the information within is Americans spying on both enemies and allies internationally, but not focusing so much on domestic concerns. In particular, we've talked about it before, the impact of on the Russo-Ukrainian war and our assessment of Ukrainian defenses. So I want to turn to Eric as our international analyst and ask the question of, Emmett already mentioned that this has probably forced a change of plans for Ukraine. How big a change is of it, and how will this intelligence leak overall affect the war in Ukraine as Ukraine prepares its spring counteroffensive? Well, the answer is it's unclear, as it always is when you're dealing with classified information, which usually stays classified. However, uh, Ukraine has mentioned, has stated that they have changed some plans already because of the leak, as Emmett mentioned. What exactly those plans were, it's not clear. But what the leaks revealed about Ukraine's weaknesses in particular was their extreme lack of anti-aircraft ammunition. So theoretically, if you're a Russian and you know that Ukraine is lacking aircraft ammunition, anti-aircraft ammunition, that might change the way that you attack. You might say, okay, well now now is the opportunity to do more airstrikes. However, with that being said, thus far it doesn't appear that they've been a, a, a change in strategy on either side. Russia in particular has not necessarily acknowledged the leaks as legitimate. Russia has repeatedly said they're a hoax, they're not real, they're just trying to trick us. I don't know I, well, I find it hard to believe that they're not going to at least consider the information. Uh, and that could just be bluster on the part of the Kremlin to try and throw off their plans. But thus far, there hasn't been a massive change in plans. And the thing is, you have to understand that when these leaks were leaked, uh, when they were discovered, they were already six weeks behind battlefield data. And when you're dealing with a war, things change very, very quickly. So they're not always entirely up to date, the things that were in these leaks. However, it is embarrassing to Zelensky personally because it revealed that the U.S. was spying on him. This isn't necessarily surprising. Zelensky is using a lot of U.S. hardware 
And I think the U.S. wants to know exactly how he's using it. However, revealing that publicly is certainly embarrassing for him. And it also also revealed the extent to which the Americans are involved even on the ground in Ukraine. It appears that there are U.S. operatives and other Western and NATO operatives on the ground, special forces. The U.S. generals were playing war games, essentially. They were doing mock battles where the U.S. would play the role of the Russians and the Ukrainians would play themselves to try and figure out what's going to happen next. So there really is sustained contact between the U.S. military and the Ukrainian military. Sorry, go ahead. Just to probe into that issue further, Eric, do you think this leak has in any way damaged the trust between the U Ukraine and the United States, especially with how close that relationship and how pivotal that is to Ukraine's continued defense against the Russian invasion? Well, it probably hasn't helped, um, especially when you're revealing that you're spying on the president of Ukraine. However, there hasn't been a really strong public reaction. The media relations person for Zelensky said he wasn't surprised, and neither was Zelensky. And in fact, there has been some off-the-record comments by the Ukrainians that these leaks are welcome, which I find hard to believe. But at least what they're saying is that it draws more attention to the fact that Ukraine is lacking in materials. They're hoping that this frank assessment of Ukrainians' weaknesses will attract more support, will attract more uh, ammunition and material support to Ukraine. Thing. So it doesn't appear that there's going to be a strong break in the relationship. We yeah. still need Ukraine still needs the U.S. intelligence and military might to win this war. I think you bring up a good point, Eric, of hoping that the leaks show that the Ukrainians are lacking in certain essential materials, a lack of anti-aircraft ammunition that they will need and that Zelensky has been pushing for to properly launch this spring offensive to recapture yeah. territory that the Russians have conquered. But it's not just the Ukrainians that are, are missing, too. They talk about the, they, they have a fairly frank assessment of Russia's capabilities, and not all of it is good either. It also shows how much we've infiltrated Russia, or how much the U.S. has infiltrated Russia's military, to the point that they can provide to-the-minute targeting data on Russian troop movements, telling Ukrainians, okay, Russian forces are going to be here at this time. You can do an artillery barrage there. That is pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that they don't seem to have information on is Vladimir Putin himself. The inner circle still, uh, of Vladimir Putin still appears to be relatively protected. But another thing to note, these leaked documents, the sources are all pretty much SIGINT, signals intelligence data. There isn't, the CIA does human intelligence, like human spies. That data is much more closely guarded, as you can imagine, because there are operatives' lives at risk. And that is not in this data. So we don't know exactly what the CIA knows about the inner circle. Yeah. Is there any question of like how much the leak show American support for Ukraine reveals the extent of which we are trying to support them in the spring offensive as well? Well, of course, we're, we're supporting them in the spring offensive as we supported them throughout the war. Specifically on the spring offensive, they've, they've mentioned that they don't think that this leak will change any plans for the spring offensive, which is a little bit further down the line. Because logistically, Russia probably knew most of what was in these leaks anyways, and it hasn't changed their strategy. I want to get into something that you mentioned earlier, Emmett, about these leaks being different than ones in the past, and just ask you further about that. Of This leak is not politically motivated. It seems it's more to share was trying to show off actual documents that were supporting his opinions within the channel, as Eric mentioned earlier. What would be some compare and contrast between Jack Teixeira and another intelligence leaker in the past, such as Edward Snowden? Well, I think that someone such as Snowden, who is politically motivated, who wants to expose 
what he saw in these documents because he believed that it was wrong for this information to not be seen by the American public because it deeply affected or deeply dealt with what the U.S. government was doing to the American public. It's not at all the same kind of situation, and that also means that people can't lionize Teixeira like they did Snowden. Snowden is sort of seen in, in you know libertarian groups as a heroic figure who exposed government wrongdoing, and Teixeira just doesn't have that same appeal. He's not. He doesn't have any heroic qualities. He he doesn't have any ideological uh, agenda, and this just makes him a much less interesting person. Honestly, he's just he really he seems like a you know like an educator who spends too much time on the internet and was given way too much responsibility. From what people in his high school who went to high school with him have said, he always had an obsession with guns, the military, and war. He had a reputation for making edgy jokes and racist comments. He never applied to college. He just graduated and immediately enlisted in the National Guard. He doesn't really. He's not the kind of guy that people who want to throw their support behind, and they don't really have any reason to. One thing that I do want to get into is, do you think that this leak, both of you, will result in any policy changes by the U.S. government? Because I think Eric's kind of got into this point generally of the American intelligence apparatus is just so large, larger than people think it is, and it takes a huge amount of support to keep that apparatus moving together and to keep it functioning. So you need a lot of lower-level individuals like this. So will there be any sort of policy changes that the both of you think from this leak? I think absolutely. Uh, the Pentagon has already begun to limit access to classified documents across the government, and some officials have stopped receiving their daily intelligence briefings because the Joint Chief, Chief the Joint Staff of the Defense, the Defense Department, has begun to pare down its distribution lists after it's revealed that many of the documents were marked J-2, as Eric said, which means that they came from the Joint Staff's intelligence arm. This is an order from Lloyd Austin, Defense Secretary himself. He says that the government will not hesitate to take any additional measures necessary to safeguard our nation's secrets and that his department will conduct a review of our intelligence access, accountability, and control procedures within the department to inform our efforts to prevent this kind of incident from ever happening again. So I think that the amount of people who will be given this access, this information is going to be severely limited from here on out. I think that as Eric said, basically, the, the Google of intelligence information, the joint worldwide intelligence communication system is probably going to be severely restricted. And also, so the reason that Teixeira was able to print these documents was because they were meant for briefing books, which are prepared for various government officials. And I think that the age of, of physical briefing books is probably going to come to an end because of this, because... Physical documents cannot be tracked as easily, in many cases, as digitized documents. So I think we're probably going to see a more complete digitization of intelligent information within the government. I will say, I don't disagree with what Evan has just said. I will say that the government needs to be careful that it does not overreact to this. Because we do not want to return to a pre-9-11 framework where information was very tightly controlled and shut down. And there weren't there weren't databases like this where people can search classified information because then there was a p potential that it would leak. But what that meant was that there was no communication either. That there weren't enough people that had access to the information and things got through and that's how 9-11 happened. Because they had all the pieces of the puzzle but they couldn't put them together. So while absolutely I agree that there might be some changes on, on policies about intelligence information, it's also not necessarily a good thing totally clamp down on briefings when you want your government officials to have 
full information. That's the whole point of intelligence, is that it can be shared and that it can be utilized. So the government has to find this balance between protecting classified information, particularly classified information that puts lives at stake. However, we need to, to ensure that this information is still being shared so that it can be acted on. Because what's the point on having an intelligence if it's not shared with the right people? Yeah. And cooperation amongst different departments as well and different intelligence agencies. Because there's a huge amount of intelligence agencies within the U.S. government among different departments. It's not just, as you'd say, or most people think mm -hmm. of intelligence in the United States, they think of the CIA. But there is much more. Oh, there's at least 17 intelligence agencies officially, and there's plenty of other agencies that do intelligence, not as in a, a structured sense. And probably the largest intelligence agencies are, are branches of the military, part of the military. NSA, of course, NGA are huge too. So it's, it's, a, it's a big apparatus. There's a lot of information out there. And I think I would argue that while really clamping down on who has access to these databases, who has access to the information, could stop a potential future leak, it could also lead to intelligence failures, intel uh, failures in action that are more dangerous than leaks themselves. Mm -hmm. Because this leak is embarrassing, we could talk about it. this leak is embarrassing for the US, but it's probably not gonna get, it's not gonna get a US operative killed. And it's not gonna lead to a catastrophic attack. I also wanted to talk about not just the cybersecurity consequences and the general state of cybersecurity for the American government that you, Eric, and Emmett have been talking about, but also the geopolitical or political ramifications. What do you think the political ramifications for the Biden administration are, Emmett, which comes at the potential launch of his reelection, which he just launched today as we are recording? It was obviously an embarrassing incident for the Biden administration. There's no question about that. But I think that his reaction, which has been very decisive, his reaction and that of his administration, which has, like we said, clamped down on information sharing and it immediately launched a very thorough investigation into who leaked it and now has arrested and prosecuted Jack Teixeira. Because some people were saying, well, you know, he's just a kid, you know, he was doing, let him go. But it doesn't seem like that'll be happening. They're really throwing the book at this guy. And I believe that, that reaction, that very strong, very decisive reaction, will probably win Biden some points among those who were already predisposed to be against the leaks. But I think that among those who will, among those who were not as outraged and perhaps even appreciated the insight into the workings of the government that these leaks provided, I do not think that that super harsh reaction will be appreciated. So essentially, I think that as with many things about the Biden administration, if you already supported him, it's going to reinforce your opinions. If you didn't support him, it's not going to change your mind. But it definitely is embarrassing. I think there's no way in which it, it helps him. I think that it, it is more likely to hurt him overall. I want to turn to you, Eric, and get into just international reactions to the intelligence leak, specifically among U.S. allies. Emmett mentioned earlier South Korea and Israel mm -hmm. in particular. Do you want to go into that more? Yeah, sure. So well, first of all, let's start with American diplomats abroad have expressed frustration because you're trying to work with people, you're trying to work with foreign governments, and then you're leaking information that's embarrassing to them well, that's just really hard for you to do your job as a diplomat. Also, the Five Eyes Intelligence Group has announced their own investigation into it. And they're, they're concerned about that, obviously, because that's an intelligence sharing group. So intelligence from the Five Eyes could have gotten in there. But also talking about other allies like U.S. and South Korea, this was pretty embarrassing because South Korea was resisting sending weapons to Ukraine. And it appears that the U.S. government kind of pressured them into doing so. 
And so that's embarrassing enough for the South Korean government, but it's even more embarrassing from a domestic standpoint because it shows to South Korean voters that their government kind of caved into what the U.S. wanted, which is always kind of a sore point uh, in Korea or in Japan. With Egypt, the documents show that Egypt was planning on secretly producing 40,000 rockets to sell to Russia. They, this was intended to be a secret kept from the West. Apparently they failed in that regard, if it's true. Now, Egypt just denied this, so, but according to the documents, Egypt was supposed to send these rockets to Russia, which is embarrassing for the U.S. because we give them $1.3 billion in military aid financially uh, annually to Egypt. So it's kind of embarrassing, like, what's our policy here if they're going to give rockets to Russia when we're paying for them? And finally, we have the Israel connection. This is actually totally unrelated to the war in Ukraine, but it's just uh, an intelligence report about Israel was about produced by the CAA and says that Israel's main intelligence agency, the Mossad, has been encouraging protests in the country's new government against the country's new government. This is obviously shocking news that the intelligence agency would be working against its own government and one that the government of Israel denies flat outright. So we don't really know anything more on that. But those are the broad international reactions and they are quite strong. I think we've kind of nicely covered all different areas of the topic. I want to just get some final thoughts from you both and just ask this simple question of how damaging is this for the United States or what do you think the overall impact of these leaks will be? I'll come to you first, Emmett. I don't think the overall impact on the United States will be very strong. I think the largest impact of these leaks will be on the low-level intelligence employees who will no longer be allowed to use Discord or Twitter, I'm guessing, and will no longer be able to access this information as easily. I don't think that the information revealed in the leaks themselves is significant enough that it's going to have a significant impact in the United States domestically or internationally. Yeah, I'll be brief. It's embarrassing, but it's not the end of the world. And I'm not sure that too much will change from it. Well, this has been a great discussion. Emmett, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Joining me now to round out some other headlines this week is our news briefer, David Wabigian. Hey, David. Hi, Drew. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. So what headlines do you have for us this week? Russia mistakenly bombed its own city, injuring three people. Violence worsens in Sudan as peace talks break down. Iran claims to force a U.S. submarine to the surface. And Germany, Poland, and Ukraine sign a tank deal. A lot of important stories to cover. Let's start with a story in Russia. The Russian military claimed that one of its fighter jets unintentionally bombed a Russian city close to the Ukrainian border. On Thursday, April 20th, there was an accidental discharge of a payload by an Su-34 Air Force aircraft above the Russian city of Belgorod, according to the Russian Defense Ministry. Three people were hurt, and several buildings were damaged in the massive explosion that followed, which left a 65-foot-wide crater in the middle of the city. According to the New York Times, Boris Rosin, a pro-Russian military analyst and blogger, suggested in a post on Telegram that the accident could have been a result of a malfunction in a GPS guidance kit attached to the ammunition carried by the Su-34. An unfortunate incident, but one that bears further investigation. And you mentioned the ongoing situation in Sudan? Yes, so after last-minute attempts to impose a truce before the Muslim holiday of Eid failed, Sudan faced a weekend of increased violence. Thousands of residents have been stuck in their houses in Khartoum for almost a week with diminishing food supplies, little access to electricity, and constant bombardment. In order to be ready for a potential evacuation of the U.S. Embassy staff, the U.S. is deploying more personnel and equipment to a naval base in the Republic of Djibouti in the Gulf of Aden. You can only hope for the best in this developing situation. 
And you mentioned a confrontation between the United States and Iran? Iranian naval commander Shahram Irani claimed on state television that on Thursday, April 20th, Iran forced a U.S. submarine to surface as it entered the Strait of Hormuz, but the 5th Naval Fleet of the United States denied that such an incident had occurred. The U.S. 5th Naval Fleet, based in Bahrain, denied these claims, even going so far to refer to it as disinformation. Commander Timothy Hawkins of the 5th Fleet told viewers, quote, A U.S. submarine has not transited the Strait of Hormuz today or recently, end quote. Another incident in the growing tensions between the two nations. And our final story? Germany, Poland, and Ukraine signed a contract for a repair center to be built for Leopard tanks deployed in Ukraine to repel Russian forces, according to Germany's defense minister, Boris Pistorius. According to Pistorius, the various parties have reached an agreement on how to pay for the center, which may start opening at the end of May. The center will cost between 150 and 200 million euros annually. Thank you very much for coming on, David. Thank you for having me. Now that is all the time we have for today. Be sure to follow Global Current on Instagram and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming shows. The show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew, executive producer Jess Van Dillion, associate producers Eric Bunce and Kasia Kostraba, technical producers Ashley Skladani and Bobby Kyle, and of course, your host, Drew Starbuck. The Global Current is brought to you by Scene Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you.